This is the Clutch Fix Sports Betting Podcast, Week 8 NFL Picks. My name is Sheldon Alexander. As always, I'm joined by the Scores Lead Betting Analyst, Mr. Matt Russell. We're here, and I gotta say, I always talk about the season as a wave. Wave is down right now, but I'm okay. My job here is to keep the vibes high. The public got smashed. I rep the public on this pod, so I got smashed last week. But, you know, we survive. We move on. I keep things moving here. And, you know, I'm going to get the record stuff out of the way before we completely switch up the vibes and you tell us what we're going into this week. But to get the particulars out of the way, Sheldon says picks with, I think, the worst week I've ever had since we've done this pod. It's the worst Two I've ever seen. 11. Yeah, it's the worst. Two and 11 seen. last week, bringing the season total, meaning I've given everything back. 52, 52, and two here. That's just what's going on right now, kids. That's where we are as we head into the Week 8 NFL Picks, Episode 9 of this the Clutch Picks Sports Betting Podcast. As always, my guy, Mr. Matt Russell, how are you doing <laughs> after Week 7 this is of the always, NFL season? This is always that awkward moment where it's like, uh, yeah, I had the best week of my NFL season uh, mm. this past week. It was it was really good. And honestly, like whenever you see those tweets about like, oh, public got killed, you, it's almost definite that I had a pretty good week, right? And it's the same yeah. on the reverse, right? If the public had some great week or it's like favorites are on a crazy run or like, you know, stuff like that. It's like, oh man, are we sure Matt's okay? So in, in this case, that's just you know, that's just kind of the way things sort of work for me. And, and I think as you're probably looking to kind of go back to basics here and, you know, anytime you have a week and listen, everybody has that, that, that Sunday, everybody has that week, everybody has that day, you know, hopefully you only have like one of those weeks or, you know, maybe two where you kind of get a little cold, you know, obviously you're in for the long haul. But the one thing that I always just, you know, remind people when it comes to like going back to basics, just remember that every time you look at a point spread, Remind yourself that there is just as much chance of one thing to happen as the other. That is the point of the point spread. It is an incredibly liquid market. It is an incredibly efficient market with you know millions of dollars getting poured into it every week. So the idea that like Buffalo minus eight and a half, like how could any how could you ever want the Patriots plus eight and a half? Like, yeah, they went and won. Like, that was kind of crazy that they went and, went and won, right? But from a value standpoint, like, obviously, there's going to be a couple of points, maybe a point, point and a half of value on the team that nobody wants. Because you have to remember that if there was so some great deal out there, it would have already been gobbled up, right? And yeah. so just, like, every time you look at a game, both sides just go, it is just as likely as one happening as the other. Then And then go from there. And if you want to just still go with, and I'm using the Buffalo New England one as an example, because that was kind of the biggest surprise, if you will. But that was also the one that, you know, I talked about, you know, a little bit, you know, more aggressively than the other games last week. It's just like, you just have to understand, like, you know, the whole, the point spread is the great equalizer. And just because it looks too short or looks too long, right, doesn't mean necessarily is. And if it was, it would get hammered into place, honestly, probably by Sunday night before you even look at the point spreads, whether that's Monday or Friday or Sunday. So, yeah, yeah. No, totally, totally understand. And for the record, in case people are brand new to what we do here on the pod, I come out each and every week. I give you a pick for where I'm leaning heading into the week. I'll tell you which side I'm on. And then Matt comes in with the information and education on where the line is, where it was, and where it could be going heading into kickoff. Hopefully, the, the point of the pod is that we come out with a more informed pick. 
And again, for viewers that watch the pod, and I mean, the bit behind the pod is I'm out here giving picks. But if you watched last week's pod and you listen to what Matt's saying and you're just riding what Matt says, you can listen to this pod and still be very successful. <laughs> right? Like, so like that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. I'm giving people behind the scenes of like what. And the you're making picks, right? And there's, a, and there's a difference between making picks and making bets, right? And yeah. Making picks, you're like, you know, obviously you're not necessarily, I don't bet every single game. We're going to talk about every, and I, you know, we're going to talk about every game, but I don't bet every single game, but you can find what I bet on the score. Like I write about the best, you know, the bets that I, that I make. Mm -hmm. And they're certainly not, I'm certainly not covering every single game or certainly not betting every single game to enough to have an opinion. And that's certainly the case for you as well. Right. So as far as anybody yeah. knows, you could have just bet two games last week and won both right but, oh no i can yeah. tell you exactly what i actually like laid money on because like i mean clearly I, right. you know what the picks are but like yeah. what i laid money on i bet on the bills money line in game yeah and it was like minus three and a half for buffalo and then hit them on the money line yeah after that those were yeah. the two bets i made on sunday until like sunday night i'm pretty sure yeah so like it's not like listen if you listen to the pod, you understand what's really going on here. And yeah. the fact that I'm giving you picks, you'll know when I'm like, yes, I'm really, really, really on this. And you'll know when Matt's really, really, really on this. That's the point. The The purpose is to just get, you know, understand the conversation, understand kind of where, you know, understanding what the line is and why the line is there. And then making your bets accordingly, essentially is the purpose of said podcast and as we continue here with the picks we start as always on thursday night football which is an interesting matchup between the bucks at the buffalo bills bills laying eight and a half points at home the bucks should have gotten blown out last week if not for desmond ritters fumbling on the goal line what three times was it or he fumbled three times. I don't know. If all three he fumbled were three. Yeah, two were just incredible, incredible feats of ridiculousness. Sure I've seen that before. And if you remember, two weeks back, it was what three interceptions. So I mean, I don't know if you call that progress <laughs> or regression. Yeah. No, my guy's just loose with the ball. Either way, now they're on the road in Buffalo on a short week. The Bills, as mentioned, lost to the Pats and made Mac Jones look like Tom Brady in that same fashion um this is a lot of points to be laying on thursday night but one of the things I always discuss is that you know i can't be too afraid to lay points on a thursday night if i think the team is still good and they're playing a team that i think is bad <laughs> and as i look at these two teams i know buffalo isn't the top tier team that we might have had them in place at the start of the season sure but i do know that i'm done with baker <laughs> Listen, I understand what's going How many on. Times have you said that? Points. Yeah. I'm not going to like this, but I am laying the eight and a half points with the Buffalo Bills. That's a lot. And I'm not going to be deterred after one bad performance in New England. Not one bad performance, but a one horrific performance in New England because that was just bad all right. the way around how they looked against Buffalo or against the Pats last week. Give me the Bills minus eight and a half. So I think it's kind of appropriate that the Bills are playing the Bucks this year because one of the things that I didn't, that I, I suppose I could have done better last year, particularly when it comes to underdog money lines. Listen, we always do pretty well at the underdog money lines this week, obviously it was outstanding. But last year was with the Tampa Bay Bucks and, and the sort of slow realization that 
you know, we were ahead of it, I think, when it came to like from a point spread perspective. Like, mm-hmm. Man, I don't really think this team's any good, despite the fact that they have Tom Bleep and Brady, right? And so we, you know, I think we did okay from a point spread perspective, but like there were some heinous losses for the Bucks as far as mm-hmm. like just massive underdogs and, and so on and so forth, right? And they were just kind of this team that was like, I think for a lot of people, you know, you the rating would drop on them and you'd be like, man, they're only minus three at home against blah, blah, blah. Like, it can't be this bad, can it? And then they would like win by one or they would lose. And then yeah. be like, you know, and then be like, well, okay, like at least they still won the game. And then they'd go to Carolina and they'd be like 10 point like road uh, favorites. And then they would just flat out lose that game. And they end up still making the playoffs and we get into the playoffs and you're like, oh, but like now they're going to turn it around. Veteran team Tom Brady. And it's just like, they just get pounded by the Cowboys. And so this year I was like, there is going to be that team. I don't know that there's a team every year like this necessarily, but it's yeah. like, let's just, let's just use that as a hypothesis, a hypothesis that there is one of those types of teams that is highly rated that for whatever reason, slowly sort of, you know, it's not something super obvious necessarily, but they slowly kind of downgrade to the point where they're like, honestly, kind of a below average team. And I kind of think right now my nominee for that award, if you will, yeah. is the Buffalo Bills. And if you're, you know, Bills Mafia, Bills fan or whatever, you know, I don't know if you sort of, you know, buy into this or whether you're like, no, no, no. But the point is, is like, it's not even the Bills' fault. Like, we talk about it every week. You've lost literally the best player at each level of their defense or the most impactful player at each level of their defense and other guys interspersed. But like those three guys, Daquan Jones, Matt Milano and Trey white, like that matters to the defense. And so you mentioned like, you're not going to overreact off of one performance or whatever, but I think you sort of caught yourself. Cause you're like, Oh man, wait a minute. It's been three straight performances. Yeah. Right. It's the loss against Jacksonville. We talked about that. How like you watch that first, the first half of that game and you're like, Jacksonville's dying to not win this game, even though the bills are like openly trying to give it to them. And then you had the giants fiasco on Sunday night. And then you had the Patriots fiasco. So the thing that allowed us to cash the, with the bills, uh, fading the bills on the money line last week is the idea that like, I think the market's being pretty stubborn here. And they are, they, and again, we've talked about this before. You don't have to be, you know, if the market's rating them as a 70 something, which is what mm-hmm. they rated them going into the season, right? As a top four team, right? 11, you know, a, a win total, essentially. You know, that's a AFC championship caliber team or, or sort of close to it. You don't have to go into the season being like, no, I think they're a 500 team, right? You don't have to say that they're a 50 when, when the market rates them a 75. You, you just, just You just have to be a couple of points lower. And you can keep betting against the Bills, right? So if the Bills are 75, I think they're 72. I'm going to bet against the Bills. If then, then the market, they lose, and then the market goes, okay, well, they're a 72. And I go, well, that loss means for me they're a 68. And I'm going to keep betting them down and down and down until I don't know if we're going to get, obviously, to the point where the Bucks last year were basically like a 50, maybe even a little bit lower than a 50. But it's easy to say, like, oh, yeah, that Bucks team stunk and blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, that wasn't that crazy. It's like, they were the second rated team going into the season last year. Mm-hmm. People forget, like, that's that was the expectation level for the Bucks, Tom Brady, et cetera, et cetera. The second rated team in the league. And so the Bills is the fourth rated team. If they had the same circumstance on tangible results, i.e. those three injuries that I mentioned and some of the other guys getting banged up, your Ed Olivers, you know, I don't know how much Leonard Floyd and Von Miller are going to produce at this point in their career, right? Like, it gets pretty thin pretty quick. And the Bills have talked about openly after these games, like, yeah, the offense just isn't, like, cooking yet. 
And maybe the Bucks are the thing that need, you know, that has them turn around here. But like the Bills haven't been able to run the football all that well. When they do, they are way better offensively, like literally every other team in the NFL. But the Bucks do stop the run. That is like yeah. a thing that they do. And so are we just going to get the same circumstance that we saw two Sunday, uh, two Sunday nights ago against the Giants, where it's Allen going back, he's whipping it around. Sometimes it connects with digs, but like sometimes it doesn't. And like <laughs> maybe there's a holding play, or maybe there's a failed run in there, and all of a sudden it's kind of third and eight. And you know, we're headed for a punt, or maybe we're headed for a turnover. Cause you know, Allen throws that pick in the first quarter of the game on Sunday against the Patriots, and you know, and I'm like. Oh no, this is happening. Like at that point, I'm like, the Patriots are covering this game for sure. It was only three nothing. And I'm like, yeah. they are now live to win this game. They hadn't even scored a touchdown to make it 10 to nothing. It was just like that's the feel that you get when you watch a football game. It's the same thing on Monday night when McCaffrey fumbles that that, you know, early on. You're like, okay, no, this is this is going to be a game. Like we are good from a point spread perspective. It's just a matter if the money line is in play here. Now when you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Baker, and I don't think you're wrong there because I don't trust the Bucks to go on the road and win this game outright. So this isn't like yeah. let's fire up the round robin money line parlay for this. This is more just like, hey, this number is eight and a half. Sounds a lot, you know, pretty familiar from last week where it was a pretty bad Patriots team, and I think the Patriots, by the way, are still pretty bad. We'll get to that obviously in a little in a little bit here, but like. It's the same number. It's the same circumstance where, like, don't you think the Bills would just take a win right now? They would definitely. So it's going to be kind of that Chiefs thing where it's like, let's just run the clock out late, right? This isn't like, oh, we can do whatever we want, like, on this team because I think the Bucks defense is good enough to kind of withstand that. Baker, obviously, is like, honestly, he's like, what, 20 other quarterbacks in this league. It's not even week to week anymore. It's quarter to quarter. It's like drive to drive, scrambling for 30 yards, getting first downs, throwing interceptions, guys fumbling. Like the league is a mess. Let's not get, you know, let's not get it twisted. But like Josh Allen is kind of falling in towards that mess a little bit, right? Where it's like getting oh, definitely. Loose with the ball. We have all these complaints about the good quarterbacks in the league being loose with the ball, right? So like I think the gap is kind of closer than we think. Because honestly, with the exception of what three or four quarterbacks here, and, and that might even be a, too big of a list, like everybody's just kind of turning the ball over here a little too much, a little more than we'd like. And I think that's a reflection of defenses that, you know, scoring is down. And why is scoring down? Well, it's not necessarily a yardage thing per se, right? It's a red zone thing. It's got it's yeah. teams settling for field goals. But the teams are all playing defense in that bend but don't break style because they're literally like, okay, you can come down the field slowly if you want, but we're going to keep you out of the end zone. And every once in a while, you're going to turn that ball over. And that's going to be a big sort of break of serve, if you will, for, for us. And we're going to be able to stay in a game or potentially win that game just on that. So, um, you know, I think this game's probably low scoring because it's Thursday night. I think both, well, certainly Tampa Bay's defense can handle, you know, what Buffalo's dealing with. And honestly, like, Buffalo's defense is even though I don't necessarily love it like how much how many points are you going to get from the Buccaneers so I think that kind of shrinks the the uh, possibility here for a, a quote-unquote Bills blowout because we talk about the Bills as a bully and we just haven't seen that for a very long time and that's just not the roster that we're seeing with the Bills at this point and again it's not their fault but it's just like I don't know that they're going to be the Bucks of last year where it's going to completely fall off here but you know they're not in a division that's easily winnable the way that the Bucks were last year so it could get a little sketchy here coming going forward especially because they have a very interesting matchup next week. Yeah. Um, for the people watching this on the YouTube page here, the control room has been going crazy here as uh, some, some 
technical difficulties, we'll say. But as you can see, the pick has been changed as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus eight and a half. One of the things that I definitely was thinking about looking at the overall like just slate of games was what you mentioned in terms of scoring being down in general, but also like, what does that mean when scoring is down? It's like, you know, there's nothing wrong with leaning towards taking points, never just a bad idea, which is always kind of a theme, but might even more so be the case in this scenario now where things are getting a little hectic in the NFL. So as I said, pick has been changed. Tampa Bay plus eight and a half. Uh, let's see how things go on Thursday night football. As we head into Sunday's action, we got the Bengals, a big boy game. I'd like to call this here Bengals at the Niners. And I think, I think, you know, the Niners as a Niners fan, I'll say this two game losing streak for the San Francisco 49ers. I'll start off by saying here, I overall, I'm not worried, not a big deal. That's okay. But this line is weird to me as the Niners are favored at home by five and a half, nicely in the Vegas zone. Despite the fact I'm not worried about the Niners or Brock Purdy, the spread is too high for me here. You got the Bengals who are coming off of a bye week versus a banged up Niners team coming off of a short week. That math, I don't like at all as a Niners fan, especially to be laying five and a half points. So give me all these points with the Bengals at plus five and a half here. So let's do the math then, right? So the 49ers, you know, what would they need to be? Uh, what would both teams need to be for this to be a five and a half point spread, right? So like, like as you say, like, let's make it make sense. 49ers getting a little bit of a downgrade, obviously, last couple of games going on the road, mm -hmm. right? Makes sense. Losing, you know, pretty turnover bug starting to kind of catch up, right? Yeah. He's kind of always up there with the turnover worthy plays. They just didn't turn into turnovers necessarily. Mm -hmm. You yep. play a couple of decent teams, right? In a couple of sketchy environments for, for the 49ers. And without, you know, Debo Samuels, obviously something of a security blanket, right? There's a lot of Jawan Jennings. No, no, and, and he played very well. I'm just saying there's a lot of Juwan Jennings on Monday. It's just not right? the same offense, right? <laughs> it's just it's just not the same, right? That like, yard, the yards after catch aren't exactly. going to be the same when it's Juwan Jennings versus like a Debo Samuel, right? Um, you know, obviously they were fortunate to have McCaffrey, Trent Williams being out for that game a little dicey. So we'll see if I mean I think we know that Debo's not coming back for this game. I think he's out for the one more, right? Um, yeah. but we're, we're we're TBD on Trent Williams. And McCaffrey is not a hundred percent. Like you could tell in that game, like he played well. Like yeah. I know he had two touchdowns and right. ran the ball pretty well, but you could tell that he's yeah. not. Always kind of hard to tell with him. Always kind of hard to tell with him. Cause he always kind of looks like he's on the brink of like getting injured <laughs> or having an injury or like, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. always, you know, going back to the Carolina days, right. Where he, he would miss a uh, significant time. That's always kind of been the, the, uh, the scary part about dealing with Christian McCaffrey. Um, so I guess my point here is like without Debo, you know, what are we going to get from the 49ers offense here against, I think probably one of the best defensive coordinators in the league in Lou Anarumo, right? And mm -hmm. it's funny how like we don't talk coordinators until we get to the playoffs and we're down to like four games, two games. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's like all anybody talks about is the, is the coordinators. But as we go through sort of the, the um, you know, the rhythm of the season, if you will, it's like, you know, we don't really mention that sort of thing, but like the yeah. Bengals have had this buy. And even though this is a, you know, interconference game, right? It's not, a, it's not an in-conference game. This is kind of like a sneaky, important game for the, for the Bengals. I mean, they have mm -hmm. a bigger one. I've just referenced, they play the bills next week. Right. And that as, as two teams who are kind of looking up at the division leader, 
you know, in their division, like that game's actually really, really important. So, you know, I hope that because it's the 49ers, this isn't some sort of overlook situation for the Bengals. But -hmm. if the Bengals are ready to kind of actually be the team that we think the Bengals are going to be, and speaking of excuses, right? Like they have the excuse from the first six weeks. It was the Joe Burrow injury mangling the offense. Now, maybe that just wasn't, maybe the offense is just kind of broken, right? And it wasn't an ideal circumstance. It wasn't a deal performance against the Seahawks in the last time that we saw the Bengals. So I am a little bit worried that maybe the Bengals offense just isn't any good. And I said, and I obviously I'm saying that sort of, you know, relative to expectations. Yeah. If it's going to be good after the rest, after the break that they've had with time to prepare for the 49ers, it's going to come out in this next week and hopefully over the next couple of weeks where Bengals futures start to kind of increase in value, right? There's some pretty bottom of the market type stuff. I think like plus 400s for the division. Now, you know, we've talked about the Ravens, you know, potentially having a big season ahead of them. And they probably should be undefeated if they hadn't yacked up the game against the Colts and the Steelers. So I don't know that the Bengals are necessarily going to catch the Ravens just because the Ravens might be really good. But if they do, like there's a lot of sort of ways that the Bengals can be bet. There's a Joe Burrow is 50 to one to win the MVP this year. And we got 11 more games for the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. And like, so the numbers don't look great now, obviously I think he's seven touchdowns, four interceptions. I think he's like, you know, 200 yards per game, but like, this is Joe freaking Burrow, right? Like this could, and we just saw Kirk cousins do a pretty good job against the 49ers defense. And so it probably shouldn't be all that difficult to look at what Kirk cousins and the Vikings did and who played extremely well and go, all right, let's just, Let's do some of that, right? Mm-hmm. Let's put it, some of that into play. And, and so I think, obviously, the, the Bengals can hang around in this game, and I think they, they can win this game outright. In fact, it's been a game that I've kind of had circled for a few weeks now, and I'm almost kind of bummed out that the 49ers, obviously I'm not because we you know, did well <laughs> betting on the Vikings this past week. But, like, in a way, it's like, oh, because the 49ers have lost these last couple of games – you know, you're going to have full attention. You're maybe not getting the best number you could possibly get here. If the 49ers were rated like a 75, which from a number standpoint, they're about a 71 and the Bengals are about a 57. So I think the 49ers at 71 is probably about right. You know, but mm-hmm. again, we're talking, you know, we always talk about range, right? Like, okay, they could play down to a 60. I don't even know if that's true. Like, I think it's actually pretty high. Like the bottom of their range is actually pretty high for the 49ers. And that I think yeah. is, the, is the thing that the you know, reason why you shouldn't be that worried. But like the Bengals range is the thing that's like crazy, right? Because we we saw them getting rated down to like the sub you know fifty level as you know some of these point spreads that we saw earlier this year against the Rams and the Cardinals. Remember they were three point favorites in Arizona. I mean, think about that for a second, right? That was only three weeks ago. So I don't know that they're necessarily ever going to get back to like seventy five or seventy, sort of the, the the area where we thought they could. But if they do, because Joe Burrow is throwing for like three hundred yards a game, and they're beating the 49ers, the Bengals the next couple of weeks, and then maybe some of these divisional games down the road. I think the MVP is kind of wide open right now, right? Like, it's like, yeah, people, obviously, like, Mahomes is the favorite, but it kind of feels like he's a little bit default the favorite. And, yeah. you know, two, obviously, people are pretty excited about, but then every three, third week, they get a tough road game, and that kind of goes away a little bit. So, at 50-1, to one, obviously, that's a super long shot type of thing, but if there's a way to kind of buy the Bengals beyond just plus five and a half this week, and maybe wait to see if a six happen, you know, comes about, because I think, you know, just kind of reading the tea leaves in the market, I think there is some interest in the 49ers on the bounce-back concept. And, you know, we talked last week about the importance of six. Obviously, we talked almost regularly about the importance of six being that sort of overtime uh, push, um, you, you know, barrier there. 
So I, I would just kind of wait on this, see if that does tick up to six, especially if, if Trent Williams gets ruled in. And that yeah. obviously I think is going to mean kind of a half point to this line. So let's wait and get the Bengals plus six. But uh, that's where I'm that's where I'm targeting here this week. Yeah, no, looking at this line, it is very weird. And of course, my radar goes off. Anytime I see the Vegas zone, it means fishy business could well, possibly be here. <laughs> it's weird because the we don't know what to make of the Bengals, right? We talked yeah, all, all yeah, year yeah. and normally it's been like one poll or the other for the Bengals, right? Where it's like, they're back, they're terrible. They're back, they're terrible. Yeah. And now we're sort of trying to find the right spot in between. And that's yeah. what I mean by, that's why we do the numbers where it's like, I'm, I tell you one week they're rated as a 45, we should buy. The next week they're rated as a 65, we should sell. Now that they're a 57, it is that kind of like weird range because like that's just kind of a made up number right now. And then we'll yeah. get a better idea after this Sunday, whether we should be going back up or back. Went up a weight class and their loss versus the Eagles. One of the games actually got right last week. Surprise, surprise. I could see Miami bouncing back here, but these teams played already. And this game was really close. I know it was in New England. Um, I feel like the Patriots might be figuring. I still don't buy in Mac Jones, but I feel like they looked at least a little bit more, uh, competent on offense and getting yeah. their screen game going and figuring out how that goes. But this spread to me seems too high for the dolphins. I've watched the dolphins with these high spreads week in and week out struggle to cover said spreads against bad teams like the giants. Um, I think the Patriots are still a bad team, but I just have a tough time taking this at nine and a half with the Dolphins. So for that reason, I'm on New England at nine and a half. It's not so much that it's because I think New England is great now all of a sudden and Mac Jones mm. has solved all his issues. It's more so a Dolphins thing where I think they're good still and I think they can get up and, and like be up big in this game. But their defense is just, you know, the backdoor cover. This is just screaming backdoor for me. And that's why I'm on the Pats plus nine and a half. Yeah, and listen, it's never a bad idea to to take a bunch of points in the NFL. I'll, I'll push back on the idea that the Dolphins have sort of struggled to cover point spreads against you know these teams. Like they literally have given up pick sixes to the Giants and the Panthers, mm -hmm. which is like you know if you give up a pick six, like you're probably not covering. Like I don't even know what you know, it doesn't really matter what the number is, right? Whether you're For underdog sure. favorite or whatever. Like you know, it's like a kick return, right? Like so, these sort of unicorn events that happen only kind of once a week. Like if you're the team that's giving that up, you're probably not going to overcome that to cover a point spread. And yet they have, and that's been kind of the impressive thing where it's like spot Carolina 14, come mm -hmm. back, take the, take the lead, take, you know, take over the cover of a two touchdowns, give up a pick six and then come back and then like recover the point spread. Right. Like to me, that's kind of like the best way to do it i mean you know i mean that's kind of the most impressive way to do it mm -hmm. and so i look at this and i go okay how much am i buying into what the patriots were doing last week and again i was on the patriots pretty significantly mm -hmm. i just look at this and i go okay i think my number with my ratings like okay what are you going to you know how are you how are you going to drastically change them right and if the market the market always wants to kind of give the pits the benefit of the doubt right so the market dips because it's like, man, you're taking safeties to the Raiders. Like, come on. And it's like, oh, we don't want to do this, but we have to drop you. And so they so they do. And that creates, a, you know, value. And I think when we talked on the podcast last week, that number was eight and a half against the Bills. And by the time, like, kickoff came on Sunday, it was almost seven. And that was fundamentally the point, right? It was like, I think it's about a point and a half too high, which means it's probably about 50 cents too high um, on the money line. 
this one, I think it's kind of the opposite where it's like, okay, now let's move the Patriots back to not necessarily obviously 50 out of 100. I think it's probably back to around 40, you know, in the low 40s to make this point spread. And it's also kind of a de- you know, taking the Dolphins down a bit because of that game last week. But again, like the situation matters and the circumstance matters. Like the Dolphins in the afternoon in Miami, it's going to be way, way more fun for them than the mm-hmm. night at the link, right? Yeah. Or, or going to Buffalo. Like those are going to be the, the sort of tough spots. And the Patriots probably honestly should have won that game a lot more comfortably than they did last week. And so like, yeah, they hung on for dear life, but it's like, you know, a lot of these games, and we'll talk about some of these other teams and matchups, right? It's like, is it an upset or is it an act or is it sort of like these two teams were closer than we ever thought? And for me last week, that Patriots bills game was, well, that was just an upset. That was all right. We've, we, they literally like changed the roster, right? They all of a sudden, like they have receivers that are getting the ball that had like not gotten the ball, you know, basically all season, right? Pop Douglas is involved. Right. And then we've been yeah. kind of calling for that for a while, but he had missed some time. I think believe with a concussion, but it's like, okay, it still wasn't like, awesome and the you know the offensive line is a little bit better obviously but again i think that's more about the bills and Mm -hmm. if i'm kind of going into the thursday night game wondering about the bills and calling them the sort of you know 2022 uh buccaneers then i can't be too excited about what the patriots are doing definitely and now they go to the dolphins and yeah they played like a close game and honestly i think they played kind of the best game they could possibly play in that in that i believe it was week one or week two week game two, against, like that. yeah against the dolphins and it's like they still lost by seven mm-hmm. so you know we'll see who the dolphins get back this week i don't know if Xavier howard's going to play i don't know that by the way this is a game that that you know having good corners against the patriots is far less important than having good corners against the philadelphia eagles right who will mm-hmm. take a shot deep on you you know if you're not paying attention who have aj brown not to mention you know Devonte smith so even if the, if the dolphins don't have their starting corners it's like i don't know that that's a, that big of a deal the dolphins i think are going to be able to get pressure jalen phillips back like he you know got his first sack of the season last week that's getting a little bit better and you know we've also had jalen waddle kind of hot literally waddling around because he hurt his back uh last week again i don't know if that's going to be necessarily be 100 percent as somebody who's had back issues before, I don't know if you're ever necessarily hundred percent or out of the woods in that department. I do just look at this and go like, do I think the Patriots can stop the, the uh, dolphins from scoring 30, which is kind of like their standard at mm-hmm. home. Um, basically against kind of anybody. Yeah. And sometimes it's 70, but like 30, <laughs> 30 is like a pretty decent number. Um, and I kind of go like, I don't really think so. And then I'm going to be, you know, you mentioned the backdoor concept. And for, certainly we don't want to be making any bets on the hopes uh, or sort of relying on the backdoor. And I certainly don't want Mac Jones to be the guy responsible for that. Because when the Patriots are bad, it's because Mac Jones is getting sacked because it's Mac Jones, you know, and that offense is predictable because of the situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. And so I just look at this and going like, man, I think nine and a half is actually kind of a deal because I don't know that the Patriots, with regardless of that win last week, are any that much better than the Giants or the Panthers? I think they're better, but I don't know. You know, listen, yeah. a week ago we would have said, yeah, they might be as bad. And those lines were 13, 14, 14 and a half. And this is nine and a half. And so I think mm-hmm. the Patriots are getting a little bit too much credit here for the win last week, which kind of all set up really nicely for them. And in a way, in sort of the opposite way, I think this sets up really kind of poorly for them. Uh, I think this is a big time bounce back for the Dolphins and a 10 point win for the Dolphins. Like just doesn't feel like it's that hard to do for that team because of obviously the explosive offense and, and the pass rush that they'll be able to get on Mac Jones. 
Yeah, I think Mac Jones, the interesting part of all this is looking at this, this is one of those where I will switch the pick, but it's based off of where the number is. And what I mean by that is while it's at nine and a half, that is just below what we like to call a very interesting key number. And sometimes, you know, the margins are just that slim. So I will change said pick. That pick will be Dolphins minus nine and a half. Um, Let's keep it going, though, here as we will move on to the Rams at the Cowboys. Cowboys at home. Cowboys are favored by six and a half points. Cowboys also coming off a bye, playing a Rams team that lost to the Steelers at home. Um, Shout out to, by the way, your man's Sean McVay, Mm. just staring at an obvious terrible call going against his team, but being completely heart like hopeless because he can't do anything about it. Helpless is the word I was searching for there. <laughs> yeah. And just not be you're just like, what what am I gonna do? Like that the look on his face was just so priceless. He went like, through the like five what is it, the five stages of grief or whatever, like in like a minute, right? Like you could tell there was a bargaining portion where yeah. he was like, Yeah, but it's gonna go to the two minute warning. And when we're at the two minute warning, we, that's a booth review. Right. And they're like, no, it's the play happened before the two minute warning. He's like, okay. um, All right. How else do we get around this? Right. And it's like, you know, and then it just like, he hit acceptance before, like, when, by the time they came back from the two minute warning, he had just, he had reached acceptance. It was a very enlightened thing. So clearly becoming a father here uh, shortly, or maybe this minute, um, you know, is, uh, has given him some perspective because he, yeah. went, he went through it for, uh, in about what, 10 minutes there for sure. Before I let you go here, it's like, really? um, this is a tough game for sure, but I think I like the Rams here at six and a half points. I, I just feel like this is a tough stretch for them going mm-hmm. from the Steelers defense to the Cowboys defense, which I think is still pretty decent, pretty good. He got those Micah problems for sure. You got to figure out how you're going to deal with that after figuring out how you're going to deal with TJ Watt. But I still like the ability to move the ball with the Rams and six and a half just seems like a lot to me here. So I'm going to be on the Rams plus the points. Yeah. Interesting market setup here because this opens six and I was like, Ooh, okay. Like I'll take the Rams at six and then like almost immediately went to six and a half. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, uh, all right. Um, don't love that the first move necessarily was towards the Cowboys. The only sort of thing, I mean, the thing, you know, you always kind of hope when you're looking at a line and it goes the opposite direction that you think it's going to go is that you hope it's kind of a head fake. Right. And so what will happen early on in the week, right. When something's close to a key number, um, the sort of, you know, sharp betting community, if you will, uh, syndicates, you know, things of that nature, uh, will bet the others, the side they don't even want, right? They'll bet the the Cowboys to see if the book will overreact and maybe shoot them up to six and a half or seven. And so I think it's kind of interesting that this has not gotten to seven. We'll see, you know, listen, by the time maybe this podcast gets released or certainly by Sunday, maybe it does get to seven, at which point I would actually be a little bit sort of worried because I've already made my bet at plus six and a half. And I know I've said in the past, you know, hey, like people have no chill. Why can't we just see if it gets to seven, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's how much I like the Rams in this mm. game. Because I look at it and I go, like, I think they're going to be able to move the ball. 
they're coming, you know, off of a game where they played in a brutal road environment. Unfortunately for them, it was at home mm-hmm. um, because of the Steelers <laughs> fans taking over L.A. Um, so, you know, I don't know that going to Dallas, I think Dallas is actually probably a better setup for them. At least, you know, it might be quieter there than when the Steelers get in, you know, into road uh, road takeover mode. Steelers fans, I should say. Um and, you know, I think they have answers offensively. And it's interesting, right? Because it seems like Cooper Cup is the guy when they go up against man-to-man defense. Mm-hmm. And Puka Nakua is their, like, zone defense yeah. guy, right? And he is the one who is kind of finding the holes there against the Steelers last week. And so when you have kind of two different ways to, to move the ball, and, you know, the run game has been, you know, obviously okay. Obviously depends on, you know, the matchup. And, you know, Dallas Cowboys run defense isn't, you know, anything, uh, you know, to get excited about. But fundamentally, I just look at it and I go like, okay, so the Cowboys had a, had a week off. Like, what do we think that they did during that week? Like, I don't think they really probably did all that much. I bet right? like, like McCarthy would tell us he watched every single play from the entire that, season so far. Yeah, That's right? what he did. Guaranteed. Totally. And, and yeah, and so it's like, I could see them coming out flat here just after a Monday night victory where everybody's patting them on the back. They take the week off. They come back. They're playing against a Rams team who are like, who are right in that like area of like, oh, like we should beat them, but are dangerous enough that if you're not paying attention, you might be down three touchdowns in the first quarter. So like, and there's always kind of that Cowboys sleepy home spot where they just get absolutely trucked. That might be this week. And so uh, I'm going to be on the Rams on the money line. I'm going to be the Rams, obviously, at the plus. I'm already on the Rams at the plus six and a half here. Um, Rams money line at plus 200 or better is very interesting to me. Uh, I think they're I think they're alive to win this game. I, this is, you know, we're going to look at a bunch of teams here where it's like, are they that good? And if, they, and if we're even asking that question, then they might be vulnerable to an underdog, you know, uh, defeat, essentially, right? You know, a team sort of upsetting them and being something that we want to include in a round-robin underdog money line parlay. And I think that's the case with the Cowboys. And this is our first, you know, first real opportunity in a little bit to fade them as kind of a touchdown favorite. Yeah. Nope. I'm totally with you right there, my dude. Uh, Jags at the Steelers. The Jags are two-and-a-half-point road favorites. That's never a place I like betting on the Jags. I'll just say that off the top. But this is a very interesting one because I don't really get the line at the same time. Like, are people just, like, is the market just thinking the Steelers still aren't that good? Is the market thinking the Jags are really that, are are really that good? I don't I don't know what's happening here. I really got to be honest. I see this line. I'm like, I'm yeah. confused. So I wonder where the line started. But well, yeah, most sorry, instances, most instances, Steelers as home dogs, I'm there. Right. So that's where I'm at. I'm not even going to make this that complicated, especially if they can continue to move the ball last week against the the Rams. Sure. I'm in on that. Let's go. Steelers getting points at home against the Jags. I don't know. Something seems weird to me. I don't know what's going on because this I hate when something seems too easy. Makes sense. (laughs) Right. Especially when it's like an underdog and they're at home and like, yeah, it does feel a little bit too easy. So let's play America's fastest uh, growing game show here. Uh, What's your rating for for the team? Like, what do you have out of 100 for the Steelers? I'd give them a solid like 50. Yeah, like a full like mediocre. Right. Yeah. Right in the meaty part of the curve. What would you give the Jags? I honestly like <laughs> I'd say the Jags are pretty damn close to the same thing. Yeah. So I think the market thinks the Jags are a little bit just above average, right? So they, they mm-hmm. got them a 54. I got them. And 55. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's easy to kind of, and 
know, I know. It, it's, it's tricky, tough. right? Because you watch the first half against the Saints and you're like, oh, maybe the Jags are legit. And then you watch the second half against the Saints and you're like, oh, yeah, that's why I don't really like the Saints, right? Like, or excuse me, uh, the Jags. Um, okay, so let's say, you know, we're giving them obviously the benefit of the doubt. We're, you know, let's say the highest you could possibly go is, is 60 on the Jags, but like, you know, mid 50s is probably, you know, a pretty fair, fair assessment. To get to where they are, two and a half point road favorites. The market would have the Steelers as a 38 yeah. out of 100. And it's just like, I don't, I can't get there. Like, and, I can get pretty low with the Steelers, but I'm also a guy who bet the Steelers to win that game outright last week as mm-hmm. part of that round robin underdog money line parlay. So it's like, I'm willing to get pretty low with the Steelers. I'm not willing to get that low. You know, you mentioned obviously the offense getting a little bit better. You know, Jags' pass defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. That being said, like, the Deontay Johnson combo with George Pickens is so much better. And maybe if they get Pat Fryermuth, we thought he was going to be back last, you know, last week, but then you know, kind of had a setback. We'll see whether they can get him back this week. But if they add sort of a third option there, and honestly, honest to God, the less Najee Harris we get, the better. The more Jalen Warren we get, the better. Like I'd be really interested in seeing Kenny Pickett. I know this is like not what the Steelers do and all that kind of BS, but like. I kind of would be into seeing him throw the ball like 40 times a game with Jalen Warren, just like, you know, in the shotgun, like is Warren sitting next to him, having those, you know, that, that was receivers just being that option. Like to me, that would be, a, now they're never going to do that because Matt Canada's running, running the offense out there and, and it's largely a mess, but at least they were trying Pickens and we had them over 50. We had Pickens over 50 and a half um, receiving yards. And he blew through that and probably should have had even more. Uh, I don't know that they're going to have that much success necessarily against the Jags. But to me here, right, we always see the two and a half point spread. How is this not a phenomenal teaser leg for the Steelers? Plus eight and a half? Yeah. You know, the Jags are winning this game by 10. (laughs) I mean, that seems like way less likely than the like 20 to 25% of the time they would, you know, than than they would need to sort of um, screw us here on uh, on the teaser. So yeah, this to me is like primary teaser leg we'll see if it gets to pittsburgh plus three at that point that would be interesting for a bet but yeah this is certainly the the first teaser leg of the week for me yeah super interesting stuff there for sure and you know the jags the other part to me is this it's not like pittsburgh's a very easy place to play in either so this will be interesting game for me to watch for sure see how that plays out the cleveland browns are in seattle speaking of tough places to play but the seahawks are favored by three points here tough spot for the browns because i'm not sure if they're better or worse with their highly paid qb i don't know the answer to that question and the fact that we weren't really sure i guess their coach came out on monday and said that even though Deshaun passed concussion protocol, he's worried about his safety and he decided to hold them out for that reason. Now my Instagram feed would show me some highlights from Deshaun Watson in that game that would tell me otherwise, but Hey, story for another day. I'm going to be honest with you, PJ Walker or Deshaun Watson, either way. I kind of like the points here. I don't know what to make of Gino. I don't know what's going on, but I spent a lot of time last week. The Seahawks were a game that I, the other game I got right last week and they barely covered that eight point spread. Like they, that was a sweat against the cards last week. Not really sure what to make of this game. I'm going to be really honest with you for as amazing as the Browns defense has been getting, you know, all the pub, they got lit up last week. Minus miles Garrett doing literally everything. Yeah. Just give me the points in this game. Just because I'm I'm not really sure what to do here. I've got to be honest with you. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're in that sort of, I don't know if, you know, something in the water in Ohio or whatever, but the Cleveland has sort of taken over the Cincinnati role here of like, what's going on with their rating, right? Because yeah. they obviously went way, way down for that 49ers game, right? Home mm-hmm. underdogs of nine and a half points with mm-hmm. DJ Walker. And it took us like a game to be like, are we sure there's that much difference between Deshaun Watson and PJ Walker now? Like peak good version of Deshaun Watson that like maybe we were getting that like one game before he got hurt. Like, yes, obviously that version of Deshaun Watson. The Deshaun Watson that we saw in the first quarter against the Colts? Yeah. No. like Throwing not, the ball backwards again? Well, throwing the ball back with just like no arm strength or whatever. And like, the, you know, they talk about the MRI that came back and it's like, it's okay, but he clearly has a some sort of scapula type strain or whatever. I'm not a doctor, hard to believe. Um, And so it's like, okay, is he going to play? And like, who would I rather play this week? I I think obviously a healthy Deshaun Watson, I think they're a better team. But if PJ Walker plays and the number is higher, I would be super into that. If Deshaun Watson plays and it's like this number or two and a half, I don't know that I am. I am having a hard time. So I'll put it this way, right? Like last week, I didn't know what was going on. And I think when, you know, when we were on the show, I think it was like one and a half as of Wednesday last week against the Colts. Uh, yeah, I'd have to go that back thing, and look. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think it was around there. And like that thing ended up closing. Yeah, so it goes to three and then three and a half. It was three by Friday when I wrote my column. And then three and a half by like late Friday. And then obviously through to the close. I'm just like, three and a half for the Browns on the road. Like for what reason? Like this doesn't make yeah. any sense. And so the Browns win that game. And if you didn't know about the point spread going in mm-hmm. and you would just watch that game, did that feel like the Browns pulling off an upset against the Colts or did it pu- feel like, the, like the better team won that game? Because to me that, you know, we talked about, just talked about the idea of like upset or, you know, who, you know, wrong team favored. I kind of think the Colts are just better in that game. And the Browns had to pull out all these stops, if you will. And get some help from the refs. And get some help. Well, that's what I mean, right? Getting help from the refs. Obviously, Miles Garrett being awesome. Gardner Minshew being a turnover machine, right? Like, it was, It felt like the Colts were the right side. The, they, were the, they were the favorite in that game. They should have been the favorite in that game. And if that game was played next week, they might be a minus one or a minus two favorite. And it was the Browns kind of pulling off the upset. Not the Browns coming back as the rightful favorite, kind of like how the Bills would have if they had, you know, obviously finished and won that game against the Patriots, where it's like, oh yeah, I know the rightful favorite. You play 60 minutes, eventually the better team comes through. That's not how I felt about the Browns in that game. (laughs) And so, you know, I think the market agrees because this number on the flip side doesn't really make any sense to me because it bumps the Seahawks up after what I think is a pretty lackluster performance against the Cardinals. That if the Cardinals organizationally had any interest in winning a football game, might have been able to do so in that game against Seattle. Seattle's still doing the dumb things that Pete Carroll does from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, they were without DK Metcalf, but is he going to make a catch that, that Jake Bobo did in the end zone? You know, the answer to that is like, maybe, but like Jake Bobo certainly did a nice job in replacing Metcalf. So I don't think they lost anything necessarily from a production standpoint in that one single solitary game. So I just look at this and I go like, yeah, I'm downgrading the Browns, I guess, but they don't have to deal, you know, maybe they don't have to deal with Watson's injured, injured shoulder. I would sort of suggest that he probably isn't going to play in this game, but I definitely don't have the Seahawks, for instance, rated higher than the Jags. 
which is yeah. what would have to sort of be the requirement here for this number to be three flat. So mm -hmm. I'm with you. I think the Browns here are alive. I think defensively they're going to be able to do Browns defensive things against Gino, who, again, I think has just pulled off one of the all-time like Kaiser Sose level stunts here where it's like we thought he stunk. He stunk for many years. He kind of ass backwards his way into the starting job in Seattle, was good for like five games essentially, and then has basically gone back to just being Geno just with a slightly better infrastructure. Yeah. And he can, you know, he can Gardner Minshew this game away too. And so if I'm getting three points with the with the Browns, then like I'll watch him. I'll watch is Gardner Minshew is Gardner Minshew Geno Smithing things or is Geno Smith potentially Gardner Minshewing things? You know, <laughs> who's to say? Right. Or maybe they're all Baker Mayfielding things or maybe, you know what I mean? Like, like, it's just all one pot of like ridiculous play after ridiculous play from these quarterbacks. And when the B Browns are there to kind of take advantage of this stuff, like, yeah, I'm going to take the plus three, you know, here and, and maybe even a little money line action. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, we move on to the Vikings at the Packers. This one's a pick'em game. Vikings on a very short week as they come off a huge win against the Niners on Monday night football. Packers, meanwhile, lost three in a row, but they're at home here in this game. And I find that to be an interesting twist here for them because I feel like, you know, they should play better at home or at least the Vikings traveling on the short week shouldn't be as good on the road. This is a pick'em game, as I said, so just straight up winners. I want winners here. Um, I think the Packers really need a win for just the vibes here. <laughs> and this might be that the vibes are on life support. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on the Packers here, but I mean, I really this is really just based on the tough turnaround for Minnesota off what they were celebrating. Like that was a massive, massive win for them. Um, if the Packers lose this game, they might just be like really, really bad. That's what I'm worried about, right? There's yeah. a decent chance because of the uniform, and I honestly, I think that's kind of the only reason that we're, we got sort of drunk on the idea that the Packers like could still, could be good. I don't even want to say still because they didn't even make the playoffs last year. Um, they're good. They're, you mentioned the vibes. It's so appropriate because like, they're just kind of bumming me out at this point, right? Yeah. It's like they're getting the deflection touchdown to take the lead last week, and it's like, no, That's no, so Russell Wilson is just going to come back and drive down and, and, and you know, get the win. You're just like, God, the vibes, the vibes need some major resuscitation. I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound like condescending or whatever. I'm actually really impressed that you're on the Packers here. And I don't even know that I necessarily agree <laughs> with it, but I'm really impressed because it is that sort of like, and, and I say that because again, I'm not positive that I'm on the Packers per se. I haven't, I haven't made a bet in this game, but it is the standard, like, the Packers were the favorite in this, in the look ahead line and the Packers lost the Vikings played honestly the best game they've probably played in two years. And that's including a season where they went 13 and four, like that was outrageously good right up, except for the fact that Kevin O'Connell is a coward and is probably afraid of his own shadow, but like mm -hmm. that guy can coordinate an offense, right? Yeah. So the problem is here, I think both of these teams now, Okay, there's two. There's the the first problem is I think both of these teams um, have kind of the same range, right? Forty to sixty, mm -hmm. and the Vikings probably played a sixty on Monday, right? Yeah. Like that was the best they can do. And the expectation, if the expectation is they're going to go on the road in the short week and play the same level, um, why would we ever expect that, right? So like mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense. 
if they just play kind of average, which for a row, you know, a game, if you just took their uh, a team's range and you, and you could commit to that range and you just said, okay, every time they play at home, potentially off a loss, they're going to kind of play at the top end of that range. Cause they're gonna be focused and they're at home. The circumstances are good. If they've just won, you know, jump and hug game. I don't know that the Vikings game necessarily was a jump and hug game, but it was certainly a top of their range game. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I mean, there might be some jumps and hugs. You're right. I'm not ruling it out. So then you come back and you're now you're going on the road and it's like, you're probably going to be at the bottom end of your range. The secondary problem to all of this is like, I still don't know that that, that the 40 to 60 range applies to the Packers because mm-hmm. the reality is maybe it's a 30 to 50 range. And if good for the Packers means like 45 yeah, and subpar for the Vikings means 45, then the Vikings just might win this game. And so, you know, but like, I think you're on the right, you're thinking the right way. You're thinking the way that we should be thinking because the value here is on the Packers for all of the reasons that I just said. And the likelihood that they play a, their quote unquote close to best game is pretty high. And the Vikings probably are not going to play close to their best game. And that's what we're trying to do here, right? We're trying to buy low and sell high. This is a buy low situation for the Packers because we have seen the market move to the point where like, there's even some like Vikings minus ones kind of, you know, dangling around here. If we ever got to two on either side, that's teaser town USA, like, you know, way into that. But yeah, so like I agree with you. I would never ask you to change it. I'm just like it's taking me a little bit longer to kind of come around to that idea, and, and it's kind of nice that I can sort of verbalize this at the sh- in the show and just kind of be like, "Are the Vikings going to play that well?" Like I don't think they're that good. I can see that drying up, right? And for all of like this, you know, as well as they played, they didn't catch a bunch of breaks in that game on Monday. And again, their coach might be afraid of his own shadow. So, you know, the, the Vikings just, you know, probably aren't that good. I don't expect them to play that well this weekend. But yeah, they- it's a tough it's a tough one for them on back-to-back weeks to come up like that in Green Bay. That I'd be really impressed with Kirk Cousins and company, something that I can't really say that I've been in talking about Kirk Cousins in any form. Sure. But we continue with the Falcons at the Tennessee Titans. Falcons is road favorites here, laying two and a half points on the road, which I don't know in what world that's a thing. I'm guessing maybe this is a Tannehill not playing, even though I think he's questionable at this point as the Titans are coming off a bye week. But we mentioned earlier, Desmond Ritter went from throwing three picks to three fumbles. Who knows what he has in store this week? Could be like three safeties. You know, I I don't know. Yeah. But it's almost as incredible as my last two weeks of terrible picks. But with that said, Titans coming off a bye, Tannehill's questionable. I feel like Vrabel, though, with a week to prepare for your man's Desmond Ritter, should be able to come up with something here as Tennessee Titans home dogs. Just a spot I like to be in. I would love it to be Tannehill, but I would hope that if he can't go, you've had a week to get someone to figure out how to be functional back there. Yeah. And that's the question, right? Because I have, there's no shot I can get to Falcons minus two and a half in this game from a point spread without like, okay, we're going to, so let's start with the Falcons. Like we're bumping them up after (laughs) that performance last week. Like at, what is it? 13, 10, 16, 13, whatever it was like, you know, I guess you and I get you got to get to the goal line to be able to fumble it on the on the goal line. Yeah. Um. You know, in an ultimate sort of ball don't lie type situation. Um. I mean, he, 
you know, Ritter effectively did fumble it three times, just only one of them, uh, one out of two counted at the end um, uh, by the goal line. And so I just look at this and I go, okay, all right, fine. We're, we're moving them up. I don't know why. It's not off of the Commanders game the week before. It's not, I don't think it should be off of the Buccaneers game last week or, you know, the game before that. Or honestly, any game really, what, in the last month. So then it's like, how low can we go here with the Titans? And mm -hmm. the, the version of the Titans without Ryan Tannehill, as if the version with Tannehill was any good in the first place. This was a sub, you know, below average rated team with a healthy Ryan Tannehill. So it's not like we're going from 60 to wherever. We're going from like 47 to wherever. And to get down to two and a half here, wherever means like 30. Mm -hmm. And I just have a hard time assigning like that low of a rating to a team coached with coached by Mike Frabel coming off of a bye week, as you mentioned, like with preparations, you know, preparation levels. So I, I'd like to get the, the, I think actually the more important injury report, I shouldn't say more important because I could get super ugly if Ryan Jan was not uh, available and ready to go. And honestly, I don't think he is. And I mean, listen, this line is telling you that Tannehill's not playing in this yeah. game. Right. Like there is no chance this is the line with a healthy or even functional Ryan Tannehill. So let's just start there. So this is Malik Willis or Will Levis, which honestly sounds like the same person to me <laughs> um, and, my, and, you know, and might be from, from a talent standpoint. Um, if it's Will Levis and there's some uncertainty there, like and, the, and I you know, should finish my thought about the, the injury report, the defensive line. I need defensive line health when it comes yeah. to the Titans here so that we can stop what the Falcons want to do and then turn it into Desmond Ritter making decisions and potentially turning the ball over. So this is going to be me on the Titans one way or another. It'd be great if they're like 10 Hills out line goes even further. It, it might be a situation like Cleveland, Indianapolis next last week, where at the, at the time we're discussing this, it's two, two and a half. And then I'm sitting there on Saturday going like, how is it Titans plus three and a half? That would be outstanding. So we're going to wait on this too, to get more information there, because I think the Tannehill being out and, and that sort of thing is going to overshadow what might be a decent health report from a defensive line perspective for the Titans. And I think that's going to be far more important than necessarily who the quarterback is. Because I think, you know, we saw last last year when the Titans went into Kansas City and played the Chiefs tight with Malik Willis with some preparation they can at least get it kind of functional here. They've got a decent running game, et cetera, et cetera. So again, like, I don't know how you trust the Falcons here at minus two and a half. I think we might even get a better number here if things get super weird. Cause I mean, listen, they have, like I said, they did last week and they have in other weeks. So yeah, this is Titans uh, certainly or nothing for me. Yeah. Super interesting one there for sure. The bet is Tennessee plus two and a half for me in that one. We keep it going to the Saints at the Colts. Colts at home laying a point here. We're in a close one. Uh, Saints getting a little extra rest as they played last Thursday, coming off a bad loss to the Jags and Derek Carr. I'm like, I just having to watch Derek Carr in prime time. Like, can we not do that anymore? Um, the Colts, yeah, right. the Colts, Gardner Minshew. Speak of a great quarterback matchup here. I don't really know what to make of this one. The Colts are at home. Holy. And this is a complete gong show here. Minshew versus Carr. I don't know what's going on. These offenses are both just weird. Yeah. I mean, the, the Saints in the second half appear to be moving the ball like they should be when you have offensive weapons. And then they still couldn't figure it out at the end. 
I don't know. Give me the Colts laying the point here. Although I could be convinced for sure to be on the Saints. Yeah, I mean, the Saints just went up tempo. All of a sudden, it started working to the tune of a couple of touchdowns. Then they stopped doing it once they got once they tied the game. And then they gave Jacksonville the ball back again. Jacksonville scores almost instantly. The Saints go back up tempo again and get down to the goal line to the point where if Foster Moreau had hands, we, you know, we'd be in overtime. And I don't know if they would have won that game or not, but it's the type of thing where I would have liked to have seen it. Just let me see what happens in overtime, right? Like speaking of bargaining and and, and the and the various stages of grief, uh, I don't have much to say about this game. This number for me is, you know, at Colts minus one. This has the Colts rated as a forty three and the Saints rated as a forty five. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? yeah. Derek Carr, Gardner Minshew, right? Like, don't you dare miss it, right? Dennis Dennis Allen on the road is that something you're interested in? No, Gardner Minshew, like not as an underdog. Not really into that all that much either, right? You're gonna have to, and it's like the Colts' best, you know, thing they do is run the football. Mm-hmm. Saints have a pretty good run defense, right? So it's like, okay, I, there's just kind of nothing for me here. So uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't have that much um, for for the folks out there. I think you know, just based on those ratings, I think the, this is quite truly a coin flip type of game. Hell probably goes to overtime. Sure. Why not? Uh, Speaking of some very interesting teams, it's a battle of New York. The Jets laying three points on the road. I'm just going to hold that sentence there for a sec. Yeah. The Jets are laying three points. I know they're not really on the road because it's in New York against the Giants. I know, and I get it. And I paused for that reason to give people a second to catch up on that. Because that threw me off for a second. It's like, oh, yeah, this isn't really a road game. But also, I will add to this. The Jets, winners of two straight and a bye week, facing a Giants team that took until, what was last week, week seven, to finally score in the first half, a touchdown in the first half, and then they did it twice. Yeah. And then didn't do anything again for the rest of the game. Um, When you add in all that context, I become a lot more comfortable in laying the three points with the Jets that's where I sit here. I feel like if you can't figure out how to stop Danny Dimes or um, Tyrod here with the bye week and the pieces you have on that Jets defense, Mr. Sala, you might want to just hang things up, my dude. Give me the Jets laying three points here against the Giants. Yeah, I grabbed this at minus two and a half. I think, honestly, I think that's probably the more fair number here. I, mm-hmm. I think the Giants are getting a half point of home field advantage for, I don't know, the logo on the, on the ground or their season ticket holders being in the crowd. That's never really helped them in the past. So I'm not really sure why that's going to help them now. This is a team that has a terrible against the spread record at home. Um, I think honestly, whether my, my interest level in this from a, like, how much do I like it? Will I bet it again type level is um, are the giants getting Andrew Thomas back yet? Right. Mm -hmm. He's the key as far as, Things that can happen to their roster that aren't going to necessarily be reflected in the point spread and are therefore going to create value on the Giants. So if they get their left tackle back, who is good, right, that's going to tighten things up a little bit here on the offensive line, which is the key to the Giants being able to be functional here. Um, obviously, the I mean, this is a commander's team that allowed the Bears to go up and down the field on them. So I'm not going to be all that excited about what the Giants were able to do, as you mentioned, for like a very brief moment in time. Um, I think the Jets actually might be good um Mm -hmm. and and they're rated below average because of the specter that is zach wilson but zach wilson's starting to get a little bit better here 
And, you know, and it's like, I, I say a little bit better. I'm not saying where it started because if, you know, it might've started very, very poorly. Um, so a little bit better might be still like quite below average. I think that's probably fair. Um, but yeah, like this is clearly not a yeah. road game. So don't sort of feel like, oh man, I'm taking a road team, like mm-hmm. laying points, like that sucks. It's like, no, I think the Jets are the better team here. I think the Giants have kind of pulled off. And again, I, I, it seems like it's all revolves around my opinion about the Bills, right? So like the Giants aren't that good because my opinion about the Bills isn't all that high. And mm-hmm. like, like you'd have to be more higher on the, more higher, you'd have to be higher on the Bills to be more excited about the Giants hanging with the Bills a couple of weeks ago. Right. And so, yeah, to me, that that was I don't want to say a fluke. It was kind of just two bad teams and the home team won by one score last week with the Giants beating the commanders. But, yeah, I'm with you. I'll take the Jets. Uh, We keep it going here on this Jets party and we switch over to the Eagles and the commanders. Eagles laying six and a half points on the road. For some reason, Washington plays the Eagles tough. I, so my initial lean is to take the points in the commanders, but then I ask you the question of, wait, where was this line before? But before we get to that, the Eagles, tough loss. I mean, sorry, the commanders lost to the Eagles earlier on in the season by yeah. three. Eagles coming off Sunday night, big win, huge win on Sunday night football. And you just mentioned how terrible Washington looked against the Giants. This is a divisional game. This is the home dog. This is Washington always plays the Eagles good. So I should be on the commanders at six and a half. But I have a feeling that this line was a little higher and it's already come down. No. Yeah, I grabbed a little seven. There's some seven like minus 115. That was pretty available in the market uh, earlier this week. Um, Not crazy about it by any means, because, again, like how many times is Sam Howell going to get sacked? Um, that being said, like they were good enough to kind of hang in there in that first game, right. Where, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's sort of, I don't want to say it's going to trick people into liking the commanders. I'm just a little bit weary about it. Right. Where you have that, where everybody goes like, okay, that, you know, by the way, that line was what eight and a half in that game. And now it's only six and a half with the, with the home field switch. That's only implying basically a point for each team and home field. So, you know, this could be even a little bit lower, but how low can you go? You know, and, and, and honestly shows the importance of seven. So it's not just a two point move. It's a two point move across seven, which honestly kind of equals about a three point move. So there's just a couple of different ways where you go like, oh man, this should be lower because of the line before, but it's like it crossed seven. That's a big deal. Oh, like the commanders hung, you know, in that game and obviously should have gone for two and had a chance to win that game. Like, yeah, true. But again, like we're only asking the Eagles to win by a touchdown here. And if, you know, the the uh, commanders don't get that touchdown, at the, you know, obviously in the last second, zeros on the clock, what do they do? They lose by seven in that game. So, like, I think it's a pretty good line here from a ratings perspective. You know, to get to this line, you need Eagles as a 73, a healthy version of the Eagles. That's probably a pretty fair, fair assessment. And a commander's at a 42. And really, there hasn't been that much shown from the commanders over the last few weeks that have us going getting crazy because, yeah, they went on the road and they beat the Falcons. But go take a look at the box score in that game. They probably got a little bit lucky to get out of there with the victory. And that game sandwiched a loss to the Bears and a loss to the Giants. So let's not get too crazy about how good we think the commanders are necessarily. 
Yeah. And as you're talking here, I know you didn't say too much to try to convince me in this, but as I'm taking in <laughs> everything in this game right now, yeah. I'm switching this pick to the Eagles. And the reason I'm switching this pick to the Eagles is because of the importance of said key number. There's a lot of things trying to remind myself of as we go through this week and certain principles to be cognizant of. And this comes down to which side would I rather be on when I'm you know, getting mad at my picks on Sunday and looking at where this game is in the witching hour. And I'd rather be on the side of the Eagles rooting for a touch push to cover a touchdown spread. So with that, that again, I'll, I'll remind you that like, again, it, remember the, the, the no, 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 of course, no, you're making a good point. I'm saying like the 50, just a reminder of the 50, 50 element, right? That any point yeah. spread is a 50, 50 thing. It's just that in this case, this isn't the same thing as Buffalo, New England, because in this case, there's a very easy, I dare I say, lazy argument for the commanders yeah, because of how close that game was. Exactly. So it's not the thing, right? Like you're taking that you initially th thinking the commanders. It's like, yeah, because you can get there with this game being close. So this isn't that deal where it's like, oh, I can't imagine uh, New England not getting blown out by the Bills. Right. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the Patriots are awful and the Bills are good. And like how, you know. This is a very easy case to make for the commanders, which makes it more of a 50 fit, which is like you can recognize this as a 50 50 game. Whereas, like Bill's Patriots, as my favorite example from last week, is like, no way, like it's not 50 50. How could it be? It's like, well, yeah. actually, it is. No, I got you. I got you. Uh, Philly minus six and a half in this one for me. Uh, we'll keep things moving here. And we got the Texans on the road laying three points. Again, I'm going to say that the Texans on the road laying three points against the Panthers. It would have to be the Panthers, right? Both teams right. coming off a bye. And I still can't believe that Houston is laying points and a field goal at that on the road versus anyone. But as I've said a bunch of times on this pod before, the Panthers remain and could just be anyone. But should they be anyone after a bye week? Maybe you could figure out some stuff there. I don't know. I don't really like this spot of laying three points on the road with the Texans, but I could be convinced. I'm, I'm on the Texans. I'm laying okay. three points. All right, let's see, if we can, let's see if we can convince a switch here. So what do we want, right? We want to be buy, buying low and we want to be selling high. Where do we think we are with the market with Carolina? We're at a real low right now, Definitely. right? We're at a 27, maybe even lower to get to the point where the Texans are the a, a point, a point three, a minus three favorite on the road. Well, the Texans have to be doing something right to be, be getting this kind of credit. Yeah, they're up to a 44. And my wow. range for them at the start of the season was 25 to 45, right? Like it could go really badly. They could be a la Carolina. Maybe CJ Stroud isn't good. But kind of the high point that we were looking for from the Texans was 45. Now, maybe the Texans are so good that their high point is actually 50. Maybe it's 55, just sort of using the quote unquote round numbers, right? I'm going to need them to prove that to me. And I don't yes. know if that's even going to happen this week because the Panthers might be so bad that that's the case. But the key thing with the Panthers and when you want to buy low on a team, i.e. the Patriots, again, it's a perfect example from last week. It's why I keep going back to it. What did the Patriots do? They changed a bunch of stuff, right? And a lot of that was mm -hmm. personnel related. What did the 
Panthers do over the bye week? Did they do anything? Yes, they changed their offensive play caller. Frank Reich is no longer calling the plays. <laughs> They're sort of young and up and coming a play caller is calling plays. Will that make a difference? I don't know. But if it doesn't make a difference, all it means is that the Panthers are still going to be bad. They're still going to be rated as low <laughs> as they are rated. It, I, you know, I hesitate to say it can't be any worse, but it honestly can't be any worse. And so you just look at it and you go, okay, well, if the Panthers can't be any worse, could the Texans be worse? Well, what did we just talk about? The idea of a team playing high in their range or low in their range? Yeah. Road home like these types of things did the did the texans really need a bye week all that badly maybe for health and that kind of stuff but like they were vibing pretty decently against you know having beat the raiders and by the way are we giving them that much credit for beating the raiders yeah we are excuse me the saints i always confuse the raiders and saints because of Derek carr's general involvement are we giving them that much credit for beating the saints excuse me or the pate or the uh steelers the you know earlier at home right like these are Cool wins when you when we thought you were going to be a 25 to 35 type of a team. But then when we're asking you to win by more than a field goal on the road against a team that at least should have some energy, some excitement based off of the new play calling and all that kind of stuff. And by the way, nobody wants to finish winless. And I don't know that the you know, are the Panthers going to finish winless. Probably not. Right. They'll probably win two. Yeah. Isn't this one of the two. Right, like home game against a, a below average team. Like when we look back on the season, we go, man, the Panthers beat the, you know, Falcons at home and they beat the Texans at home. And like, that's all we got out of the Panthers. Like, you're still going to be like, man, that was an awful season from the Panthers, right? Yeah. There has to be a higher end, a three win, a four win version of the Panthers here with Bryce Young, with better, theoretically better, more inventive offensive play calling. A team that got up to 14 nothing against the Dolphins. Yeah, they got waylaid by the Dolphins offense. But as much as we like C.J. Stroud, the Texans offense is not that. So this is Carolina plus three. I think they have a very real chance to get one of maybe two, maybe three wins all season this week against the Texans. Yeah, this this pick has been switched to the Panthers. The biggest thing here for me, after listening to all that, the biggest takeaway is just – if you are a really, really bad team, you have certain games on your sched where you where you can seek out a victory. You're coming in with yeah. a little extra focus, a little extra pep in your step, because you'd like to have that one Sunday night where you're celebrating, right? <laughs> During right. a football season. For professionals, yeah. Yeah, you, you want to have some fun, right? You might want to go out after, you know, with a smile on your face for once. So this is your opportunity here, Panthers. And if not now, oof you might be looking at an offer. <laughs> yeah, it's a truly if not now win situation. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I hate to include that in the handicap, but it, it exists. Yeah, I mean, hey, we're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about it. Uh, we're also here to talk about the Chiefs who are laying eight points on the road in Denver. I think Matt already knows which side I'm going to be on here. Uh, these teams played a few weeks ago on Thursday night where the Chiefs did just enough to cover the 11 points. Now it's eight. As you flip it, they go from home to the road. I mean, I don't really like this game, to be honest, because who knows what you're getting from Russell Wilson at any turning point here of this season. I, I don't know. Um, but I'm on the Chiefs with the eight points because I just it's it's just what I do. I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be honest with you. I could pretend and like come and... up with some other stuff, but I will say this. I will say yeah. this in terms of just overall chiefs dialogue. Mm -hmm. So much focus is on their offense consistently. 
And I yeah. think their defense needs a little more love. Their defense it's getting is, it. It's getting it. Yeah, it's definitely it's getting it. It's definitely starting to. And don't look now, but the Chiefs are five and two against the spread all of a sudden this season. And those last three covers were the, actually I was on the Chargers last week. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> the last three covers were were the Vikings game, which was like you know very close, but they managed the, the cover in that game. The Broncos Thursday night game, which it's was like close. the pinnacle of like could go either way in the last few minutes. And then obviously that Chargers game, right? So they're on a bit of a heater from an ATS perspective, <laughs> right? But is it is it because their rating has changed necessarily? No, because as we talked about last week, it, their rating is like as solid as a rock. And so it wasn't all that surprising that this line went from opening around nine, eight and a half down to eight because everybody kind of looked around and said, well, we just watched this matchup. It was a 10 and a half point spread and that couldn't have been a more perfect line from mm -hmm. the, you know, based on the results of that game and, and the last five minutes of that game. So if that line's 10 and a half, then you got to go a point and a half for either side for home field advantage. And we go from 10 and a half to seven and a half. I don't know that we're going to get necessarily down to seven and a half, but you can see how it's traveling downwards towards seven and a half. Uh, you guys are all welcome here. It is taking everything in my power, not to include the Broncos and the round Robin underdog money line parlay. <laughs> I think they can win this game. The defense yeah. is getting better. It's gotten healthier. We obviously watched like kind of a grimy under like, you know, quote unquote under porn type game in that Thursday nighter, right? Where if you bet the under, you're just sitting there like loving life because like nobody's scoring. You know, we talk yeah. about obviously red zone efficiencies and that sort of thing. I think this is going to be that classic Chiefs game where like they somehow pull it out. You know, you can go back to the matchups from last season where both games ended up as field goal type games. Obviously, mm -hmm. that could have been a one score game in the earlier matchup this season. I think the Broncos defense started playing better in that game and that has translated over into the last couple of weeks here. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to do it, but we're going to take the Broncos plus the eight. And honestly, it would be hilarious if the Broncos won. There are, honestly, I'm, I'm only not doing it because there are a lot of options this week when it comes yeah. to like big underdogs worth playing, where other weeks it's been kind of tough to find five that you really like. There's mm -hmm. kind of like an embarrassment of riches, and we'll see if it actually works out that way. But between Bengals, Rams, and a team that we're going to talk about here shortly, um, there's more than a few uh, decent-sized underdogs that I think could go down. So why mess with the Chiefs who are probably going to pull this game out late? Super Maybe. interesting stuff. You, you aren't able to talk me out of the, the Chiefs as a big favorite, but you might oh. be able to talk me out of the Ravens as a big road favorite here. Ravens are eight and a half point favorites in Arizona. This is a lot of points and it's laying a lot of points on the road, something I don't really like to do. The other thing I don't like to do is watch the cards. The yeah. cards have shown yeah. very little the last few yeah. weeks other than just getting blown out. Um, yeah. I still think the line is high, but the cards have done nothing to convince me otherwise other than losing by double-digit points. And at some point, it's got to get really bad as uh, Kyler Murray could be back at some point. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is the last hurrah for this iteration of whatever the cards have been for the first seven weeks of the season so i am laying the eight and a half points with the ravens here on the road tough spot can't really say i'm a big fan of it but right hey, here we are yeah and and the reason obviously to lay the points is because the cardinals don't seem to have that much interest in actually winning game problem is right the ravens you know speaking of teams that played to the absolute pinnacle of their range last week yeah uh, we're going to do that twice in a row, right? And unfortunately, right. we're getting to the point from a rating perspective where that's what we're asking, right? Because the Ravens we've had rated, you know, the range has been 50 to 
70 and we're up to a 67 in their range. Now, maybe they are that team that could bust through that 70 and be in that low 70s, maybe even mid 70s, which is a full on like Super Bowl contender. We're going to have we're going to be a little bit TBD on that. We need more than just kind of like one big home game um, after a couple of, you know, not necessarily dominant wins. So I don't have anything for this game because I think, again, I'm certainly not. I'm, I'm, there's probably no bets on the Cardinals coming here at any point in time, maybe if Kyler Murray gets back. But honestly, his him coming back might result in lines getting or ratings going up and lines coming down for the Cardinals. And it might be time to get like fully on the Cardinals fade uh, mm-hmm. wagon here. Um, this is fundamentally, if you're still alive in Survivor, and you know we had two paths in my Survivor column for over at the score, Path number two has yet to use the Ravens. This is probably your last best chance to use the Ravens. Their home schedule gets a lot tougher with, I think the easiest quote unquote opponent is like the Rams at home. So even though it's on the road here, I mean, listen, it's an eight and a half point favorite and an eight and a half point favorite is an eight and a half point favorite, regardless of where it's being played. So take the Ravens and Survivor this week if you haven't already used them. And if you've been following the path um, that we've created, that's the one to take here. Baltimore minus eight and a half is sketchy, 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 but I'm there with you, Baltimore. Got to make some tough decisions this week for myself, I got to say. Speaking of eight and a half point spreads, we have the Bears at the Chargers, Chargers at home laying eight and a half points. And I'm sorry, but I don't know in what world I'm laying eight and a half points with the Chargers. I know that the, the Bears are, you know, I don't even know who their quarterback is. I know that he was what, Division two. And yeah. someone's calling him Eight Mile. I saw my guy. At eight Mile. We got Tea Bag. I I threw out a T Bone <laughs> last week. I feel like I missed an opportunity to start the Tea Bag thing. Not that I would ever get credit for it. So I'm still going to call him T Bone because I'm going to be stubborn about it. Man, I'm with you. Why would I don't know what's lay, going on? Why would anybody lay the eight and a half with the Chargers? Like, yeah, they might blow out the Bears, but like, when does that? When's when's that a thing that ever happens? <laughs> they couldn't blow out Aiden O'Connell, and I think Tyson Badgett might be good. And here's the thing about Tyson Badgett and people of his ilk, right? The further, the deeper you go to find a guy the better he has to be for you to find him right Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of first overall picks your baker mayfields that sort of thing where people are going to commit to that guy they're going to tell us how good he is and then we're going to find out that he's bad everybody has thought this guy has bad been bad basically his entire life or we would have heard the call of the cottage cottage we would have heard of the college that he graduated from or any of the colleges that he played now we saw last week that he can run an offense. He was very good running that offense. And there was some comments, I think it was Cole Komet who said this week, he's like, we actually had more stuff, but we didn't need it. There was more <laughs> stuff that they could have done. We didn't need it because the Raiders, your Raiders and your Brian Hoyer and your and your uh, Josh McDaniels on the road laying points idea, which mm-hmm. is still one of the more heinous things we've seen in the history of this pod. This uh, is correct. <laughs> like that was handled. I think the Bears win this game outright. The Bears have gotten healthier <laughs> on defense. The Chargers are the team who everybody thinks is going to be good and just isn't. And they are, you know what I mean? And whether they win enough games to make the playoffs and they finish, you know, 10 and 7 as if that's something to be celebrated with the level of talent that they have. You look around, you go like, unless Keenan Allen is doing work on offense, like there kind of isn't much there right now. Yeah. And the, the offensive line isn't any good. So Justin Herbert's running for his life half the time. And the defense looked at Travis Kelsey as if they had never seen this gentleman before. <laughs> like, you play him twice a year. There's literally no team, no coach, and no defensive coordinator that should be more, like, aware, familiar with Travis Kelsey and what the Chiefs are good at than the Chargers. And they still let the guy have 100 yards in the first half. 
because they just kept playing zone as if Travis Kelsey just doesn't eat that alive. And so, yeah. like, when your coaching staff is that stupid, like, what's what's the lowest level we can possibly go here, right? Like, there is no ceiling, there is no floor. So, like, yeah, I think the Bears win this game, man. They got Deontay <laughs> Foreman out there just running over dudes. They're mm. running functional plays. And honestly, one out of three functional plays is probably going to get a first down against this garbage Chargers defense. And the offense isn't particularly good. And Justin Herbert looks like he's just done with this whole thing. And by the way, their season effectively just ended because in six days, they lost at home in a primetime game to the Cowboys and they lost on the road to the Chiefs. And so I find it hard to believe that they just pick up their socks and they get this thing done. Now, listen, maybe they win because they are just more talented. At plus 340 on the money line, Bears, baby, Bears. The Bears are going to win this game outright. I love it. I love, how, I love how fired up you are on this one. And I got to be honest and ask you a question. Did you think that I was going to take the Chargers? Never. Okay. Nobody. <laughs> I don't think anyone. I can't believe this line is this high because I can't believe anybody. there would be any weight on Chargers minus eight and a half. Like, why would that there be any funny. money on the, on the other side of this? Now, again, they might win this game because they might just all of a sudden play Sure. Them. Why would we expect that? Why would we yeah. think that's the every, – everything comes down to a 55-45, right? If you're trying to win money, betting point spreads in any sport, how is the Chargers the 55% side in this game? <laughs> they might – 45% of the time, maybe they win it. I don't even yeah, think it's yeah, that yeah. high, but maybe it's 35%. 35 out of 100 times, they might win this game that comfortably – Sorry, no, I can't, like, no, this isn't, and again, the point of the Tyson Bajan thing is, this isn't Brian Hoyer, we don't know if he's good or not, all we know is that he was somehow plucked from obscurity and impressed to the point where, like, honestly, like, how do you become a quarterback in the NFL from a school that, like, remote? You gotta be good, you gotta keep showing, you you gotta keep impressing people. Do you know what's interesting to me about the Chargers? Like, and I'm not even trying to make a joke. Like, I seriously cannot remember the last time I turned on a Chargers game and they were just winning big. Yeah. Like, this like I, I'm smoothly. being, I'm being just serious. Like, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I feel they like they may have been winning big, but they did not win big, as in like that yeah. would have evaporated pretty damn quick. <laughs> It's what they do. They play entertainment. So, I mean, hey, everyone's kind of mad at this Sunday nighter. It could be pretty interesting watching that game. Speaking of Monday night, uh, we'll move on to Monday night football. We got the aforementioned Raiders, and they are eight-point underdogs to the Detroit Lions, who got blown out last week by the Ravens. Um, This just seems like a prime bounce back game for me here. I don't really like to lay eight points because that's a lot of points. Um, But I see Montgomery might be back. They seem to run the ball better with Montgomery. I know they have a lot of injuries. Maybe they'll get some guys back by Monday. That's the hope. I would need an injury report from the Lions before laying the the eight points. But you also mentioned, like, it's the Raiders. I don't know what's going on with the Raiders here. Now we're talking about trading Devontae Adams before the trade deadline. Is that really a thing? I mean, he was big enough Aiden O'Connell, but for whatever reason, McDaniels is not about that life. He's about that Hoyer life, which, as we saw last week, why? But here we are. I'm on the Lions laying the eight points. What say you, my friend? I just... I'm not going to put, I don't think the Raiders are going to win this game. And so this is a teaser for me. Let's get this down from eight to two. We're going to yeah. tease that with the uh, Steelers plus two and a half. And then just kind of hopefully be kind of, that's all we need to do here. This line's too high. Um, yeah, I get, for, I get it. 
for a Raiders team that's getting Jimmy G back, like I know, listen, no one's like a particularly huge fan. We have Jimmy G here, but this is not the same. This isn't laying three with Brian Hoyer. Yeah, this is, yeah. you know, or, or um, you know, being seven point underdogs uh, mm-hmm. with Aiden O'Connell at the Chargers, right? Like as much as we just bleep talk the Chargers, like, you know, this is eight with Jimmy G. So I think the Lions win this game. I think it's probably a fair bet at, at minus two as a, as a back-end teaser leg this number is just a little bit too high because it's, it's treating the Raiders like Brian Hoyer is starting and Jim and he's not, and Jimmy G started. Right. So it's like, whatever the difference is, does that mean it's like, should be lower than seven? No, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's a point, right? It's like, it should should be seven. Sure. No, anybody be against seven here. Right. So like, yeah, if it lands on seven, you win with the Raiders. You don't with the Lions. And normally yeah. that circumstance would, re- would result in a push. So, yeah, don't think the Raiders are necessarily live to win this game. Do think this line is a point too high. Would bet the uh, Raiders if that was sort of the thing I had to do. I get it. I understand it, but I'm still on the lines, my friend, and we shall see how this plays out on Monday, as I assume that there will be tons of line movement before we get to Monday night's action. And when we do get there, where can the people find you, my friend, to get caught up on all of your entertaining tweets throughout the weekend? The tweets are at MRUS Authentic. The work is over at The Score. Obviously, everything I write, I try to retweet through there. But um, yeah, obviously, you have The Score app probably already over in the betting news section. Um, Sign up for alerts, by the way. You can sign up for a betting alert, betting news alert. Anytime we write anything, the alert comes straight to your phone. You can read it basically as soon as it gets published, essentially. Uh, And that way, you can be on top of things with regards to getting the best of the line. Um, But yeah, uh, everything over at The Score for me. Formerly known as Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Side note, if there are any basketball fans, by the time you hear this, you will be aware that there is a new show that I will be doing as well, which is called Wrap It Up. It's been here before, back again. It'll be on a site called Canada Hoops Daily Presents the Wrap It Up podcast, which is a Toronto Raptors postgame show for our Canadian fans that listen to this, for our Toronto fans that listen to this. By the time you hear it, just know the show will be back. So just stick to my Twitter feeds and all that timeline. You can find the links to all that goodness. But as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Clutch Fix Sports Betting Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts online on all separate platforms and on YouTube. Shout to the people that have been liking and sharing on the YouTube page. We appreciate that. But until next time, see ya.